and welcome to 177 Nations of Tasmania. Sierra Leone is a small West African nation which suffered a brutal civil war from 1991 to 2002, in which, amongst other things, children were commonly recruited as soldiers. This is to set the scene for my conversation with Ors, aka Alusain, who was a child in Sierra Leone during this period before his family fled to neighbouring Guinea. Afterwards, he joined his father in Sydney some years on. Ors moved to Hobart after seeing an opportunity to fulfil a dream he had of setting up his own barber shop. This started when he met uh, Cedric, who was in episode 49 of this podcast, and uh, opportunities came from there. Anyway, to hear more about this, please listen on. My name is Alusan Yusufsanko, but you can call me Alps for short. And um, originally I traveled to Hobart just to explore Australia in general. But then um, after coming to Hobart, I realized that there is um, something that that's missing in Hobart that's not in that's in other states, which is um, an African barber shop. Yeah, so I decided to start a project that will provide um, consistent and reliable barber shop that will benefit African Australians in Hobart. But originally, I travelled to Hobart to um, exploring mm-hmm. Australia, getting to know Australia a bit more. And what made you what made you sort of think of that idea? Well, I've always had a passion for haircutting. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to, like you know, make it a career. But having to see that missing spot wherein there's not a barber shop in Tasmania, I said, well, Tasmania is a it's a big state. I think it needs something of some sort that can benefit African Australian living in Tasmania. When I when I came, the idea was the idea of um, starting the barbershop was the last thing on my mind. Because I was just wondering whether you'd met some Africans who were complaining about oh, there's no barbershop here in Tasmania or something like that. No, no. I, or, or did you just notice it yourself? Yeah, well, I will. Um, from cutting, from cutting, I met um, Cedric, mm-hmm. and then when when I was cutting his hair, and I, and then you know he told his dad. And then he came for a haircut. And the more I connected with with him, the more I heard the stories. That's how I found out that there's no stable and reliable barber shop in Tasmania. Mm. So then I decided to embark on the, the project to to open the barber shop. Great. So that's a great example of uh, migrant uh, initiative. <laughs> yes. So tell me about what actually brought you to Australia in the first place. Um, I traveled to Australia as a refugee mm-hmm. uh, to seek um, refugee new life. So um, my dad traveled to Australia in I think the year two thousand. Mm-hmm. He was um, I think he was yeah he was at East Timor and then managed to gain some employment in Australia. So okay. He came to Australia, got married kids and then had the opportunity to fight for us because at that time we were in Guinea living uh-huh. in neighborhood Guinea uh, from Sierra Leone and then yes yeah, so that's how we that's how I came to Australia to live with my dad so your father had sort of come here years before and, yes. and was able to bring you on a kind of a family 
It's, it's uh, yeah. So, how old were you when you left Sierra Leone? I was, oh, when I left Sierra Leone, I was young. I left really young, but then was living in Guinea. I can't yep. remember exactly because I was young. Yep. But I can remember you. So, sort yep. of child. Which child? Yes, yeah. yes, sort of a child. But then um, I remember I was 17 when I left Guinea. Okay. Which is a neighborhood country yep. of Sierra Leone. Do you mean, how long were you in Guinea? For more than five years. Because the war happened in 1991 mm-hmm. when I was born in Sierra Leone. And then it went through to 1995 second intervention which I call I think around 1995 this is based on stories that those with experience but I mean with with stories you, you, you hear different different information different different stories and then you as an individual you have to analyze it yeah you know and, and, and make sense of what you can trust and yeah yeah but what do you remember yourself about Sierra Leone there's a lot of things I remember about, about Sierra Leone, even though some of it is like a fragment, mm-hmm. you know. Like, did you, uh, were you, you would have been school age then, did you attend school in Sierra Leone? On and off, yes, on and off, because during that time it was during the war. Yeah, The war okay. was happening on and off, on and off. So when the war cooled down or, you know, pretend to be going away, we go back to school. Okay. And then from there, and then, and then, if it comes again, if it comes again, then we stop going to school. And where were you, where were you living at that time? Um, different different places. Okay. I lived in Freetown, lived in Masheka, lived in Nushar, I lived in Waima, I lived in Putloko. Different places, just depending on what's happening, the situation at hand, the circumstance, and yeah. Because some places, when... You're living there and then the rebel or something happened, you know, you, you may not have the chance to go back there and live there. Mm-hmm. So you have to leave, go somewhere else. Yeah, right. So it was a lot of lot of moving around in, yes, in, in yeah. your childhood. Mm. That's how I guess. That explains why you were on at school, wasn't uh, <laughs> consistent. It's consistent, yes. yes that's... Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the experience for... A lot of people in a in a country where there's a civil war or, or disruption mm. like that. Is there anything that sort of stands out in your memory? Well, it's just one thing that stands out is when when I I was I think I was living with yeah I was living with with um a family like a relative I don't know the mom's brother or I don't know I can't remember but he was a police officer in the city. Thinking, um, I can't remember the name of the suburb or the the place, and then where I was staying when the war, one of the the war begins, mm-hmm. because since the war was coming on and off, I can't remember exactly when, but then when the war started at that time, and then we had to like pack some of the stuff and then move from that area to a safer area. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and my twin brother, and then um. There was a lineup where we mm-hmm. had like lineup, and then yeah, the rebel wanted to cut our hands. Right. Yeah. We at the time we were very little. I can't I can't remember how old I was, but um, it's a memory and a story. And but um, I didn't quite get what was going on. 
mm-hmm. but in people was were talking about it and okay. that's how I'm, I'm fluent at explaining it but um you know comparing the the images and then the stories yeah now uh, I, it makes sense so but um yeah they wanted to cut our hands but um, i think because we're twins okay me and my twin brother so this they decided not to cut our hands and they asked us to pray for them or wish them luck or so, good luck right i don't know yeah because obviously if 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 you're doing something bad people like the person that you're doing that bad thing to is going to retaliate right mm-hmm. it's going to respond and if you know that that person's response is going to affect you you're going to have some fear of you know what is coming so maybe that's why they ask for us to wish them luck or yeah something or something so they didn't cut our hands and then yeah because i don't know if it's the cultural thing or cultural belief or some sort but then, yeah and then we just they let us go and and um the the police officer we were living with but then i think he passed away because he had hiv Oh, okay. At the time, right. he was being treated for HIV. So but then he passed away. I don't know about his wife because we all got like when I think some somehow some when we went separately mm-hmm. due to the war. But how did you then get out of Sierra Leone? Well, first, why, and then like, what was the process of leaving? Why? Well, to be honest, if I if I say I I can analyze the reason why I left, now I I would be lying because I think I just migrated. It's like something bad is happening, and then I needed to change environment, and then and then I left. You know, with yeah, we left. So and then because I think I was with my grandmother. Okay. And then yeah, and I left. Came to Guinea. But what was the, like, how did you get out? Like, was it just a matter of traveling across the border? Yes, driving. Driving, yeah. Yeah, driving. Because there's a, it's a driving, some people, where if you have money, you can catch airplane. Oh, sorry, walking. Not driving. Walking, yeah. Walking from Sierra Leone. And, but sometimes you catch transport and then you walk. And, you know, depending on... The chances that you have mm-hmm. that's but usually people just people drive from Severn to Guinea but during during the war I mean it was very actually risky to drive yeah. because when you drive people this they know the the, the main routes and major yeah. checkpoint where they can stop so you would have to like bypass either drive halfway stop get off and then walk and then manage, I don't know, yeah. But at the time, being young, I can hardly remember some some things that happened. Yeah. You know, so so you, you were just following your family, really? Basically. Yeah. <laughs> basically. And how, how many of you, how much of your family sort of traveled together? There was, a, there was quite a few people, not, not a lot. I wouldn't say we were more than, more than 20, but some of them, something happened, got lost, some died. But yeah, some of them not family members even. Okay. Yeah, some of them friends. So you're in Guinea, then you're in Guinea for a while. I mean, how, what what sort of memories do you have of life in Guinea? It's me going to the stream and then me 
leaving my grandmother and her getting worried where I've been, coming back, uh, and living was in the, a refugee camp. Because is, is the, like, the culture in Guinea very different? Because uh, Sierra Leone, is the, the language is English in Sierra Leone, isn't it? Yeah, it's very different. But then there is this, I think I heard of this. It's very different. There is this um, Forecaria. It's a, it's a place in Guinea, which is close to Sierra Leone, the border of Sierra Leone, and there are some people there that speak my language, mm-hmm. Timini. So it's called Foy, Foy Karia, So, But then when you go into inner Guinea, I think Conakry, you can hardly, you hardly see people that speak your language mm-hmm. if you're coming from Sierra Leone and you don't know how to speak French or any of the um, Guinean languages. So, but it's, um, it's challenging really because going into a place that have a different you know language totally to try and understand the people it's, it's very very challenging you basically have to communicate with like signs yeah you know because they'll be saying something you don't know what they're saying and if you say something back they won't understand you so you basically have to use signs like say oh this like you know what I mean? like as if yeah as right. if you can't speak you know based on my observation, reflecting back on what was happening and yeah. But thanks to God that has um passed. So So do you remember when you learnt that you were coming to Australia? Do do you remember um when you heard about that and what you thought? all that was in my head that was oh I'm going to be living with my dad and mm-hmm. Australia is a nice place. And yeah, you're gonna be rich when you go to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of that's those kind of stories. And who doesn't want to be rich? You know, doesn't want to like live a comfortable life. So it was a little bit exciting, you know. Yep. But at the same time, it it's the thought of expecting the, the surprises was there because um because he, I, at the time I didn't know what mm. life kind of life I'm gonna be living and how I'm going to react to it. And uh, do you remember then what... Well, what did you know about Australia before you came? I know very little. They, they, I think there's this um, test thing or video we have to watch oh, yeah. about Australia and its, its people. But <laughs> to be honest, I watched the video about a few hours and I've, I <laughs> forgot everything. Yeah, yeah. So well, most of the other things when I came here... Is when I, because I went to um, intensive English um, center in uh, Beverly Hills, where I learned English for about a year. They move on to high school, to high school. So most of the things I I I, I learned them when I got here. Even the barbering, I started cutting here in Australia. So, okay. So I think coming to Australia in general has been a a good adventure for me. It's been a good thing and. Because I've acquired a lot of things, learned a lot about the world, and um, it's definitely um, will be a recommended place for someone to seek for an opportunity to, to you know, to develop themselves. Well, after school, my first job was with um, an RSA club in Gamia. I was working there for a couple of months, and then um, so ever since I've been working with in the hospitality hospitality industry except recently when um 
I decided to divert to the barbering, to the hairdressing industry. So, but, but after working, then you know, I wanted to have a theory knowledge of you know the industry. Mm-hmm. So that's what made me went to do the um, diploma in hospitality management, just to understand a bit more the theoretical aspect of the industry to to see if it's something that I want to pursue later down the track in the future. Something something definitely I have intention of pursuing, but um, but for now I want to see how the barbering goes. And what made you want to have a um, get into barbering? I've always wanted to cut hair. Mm-hmm. It's um, I just I don't know. I just I'm that sort of a person. I take grooming very seriously, mm-hmm. you know, because I think that's why that's how I grew up in. I, the school that I attended was very strict. Even when you go to school, you need to iron your uniform. Okay. You know, and and if you come to school and your uniform is rough, you either get a spanking or you get sent home. Is this is this in Sydney or in, in Sierra Leone? Oh, Sierra Leone. Yeah. Okay. So it's, you either get a spanking, even with government school, because I went to government school. So these are not private schools. Yeah. Some schools, so they 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 can be very very strict grooming standards okay so i guess that has become part of me so so i'm having to cut here and i feel like you can actually see the dramatic difference you're making mm. for the person so i enjoyed i enjoyed doing such such things so that's what yeah i yeah, that's why i, I like and i love haircutting because no matter how because you may not meet the customer's expectation, but you still make the difference. Yeah, you know, you still cut the hair. You know, even though some custom, yeah, even though some customers may want more. You know, stylish, styling the hair, like lining up. You know, fading, and um, so it's it's. But you know, once the customer comes in for a haircut, you know, you will you will make that difference. You will cut the customer's hair. Yeah, you know, so that's what I like, and, and and I guess also to be a hairdresser, you need to be good with people. And yes, yes, and that's where my hospitality skills comes in. You know, because because I was working as a waiter, mm-hmm. so I used to serve serving people food. You don't just have the food, you know. You know, sometimes customers engage with you in a conversation. While you know taking the orders, the orders. While you bring the orders to them, and and it comes down back to knowing your customers. But of course, it's one thing to to travel to somewhere like Tasmania. It's another thing to set up a set up a business and start a different life. What prompted you to say? I mean, you obviously saw an opportunity, but to, were you at the time like thinking of moving out of Sydney or? Was it just because you saw an opportunity? Well, uh, it's just like any place that you move in the first, you know, for the first time. It's very challenging, especially having to make new friends, you know, making connections. But but uh, really, I've always wanted to have my own barber shop. You know, I've always just never really had the opportunity and chances to implement the decisions that I need to make to bring that to life and um yeah bring that idea to life but then after you know studying the people around me and the people i connected with and that arises the 
the need for me to fast track the idea to want to make more decisions that will make it happen. Yeah. yeah so what were some of the challenges that you, you had at the beginning to try and um, realize this idea? Some of the challenges are meeting other Africans, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, yeah, meeting other Africans and um, getting to know them and connecting them. Because, for example, the, the trust is a huge part mm-hmm. of it because even though you know how to do something, but if someone do not, does not trust you to do it, yeah. it will be very difficult to, for them to, I mean, someone can communicate with you, you guys can talk, but if they don't trust that you can get the job done, then it becomes very challenging for you to get you know, that first trust to occur. But um, I've always had that confidence that once, you know, you give me that chance, that trust, I will definitely build on it and it won't be um, a regretful thing. Yeah. yeah. And what sort of things do you do you have to do to build trust, especially with the uh, African community? Um, um, just um, honest communication. I've so the things I have to do is like I have to like it's, it's more of a mental thing of thinking saying oh being yourself you know wanting to be to be yourself and be very clear and, and open and you yourself you need to trust the person you're talking to you know you need to trust the person you're talking to so those, those are some of the things I need to do also have to like somewhat put some things aside you know like for example if i want to achieve a goal of of opening a barber shop i need to put in more time and maybe eliminate the idea of me working with the hospitality industry um, because it will somewhat you know distract me a little bit working like okay let's say let's say doing another job yes i need to maybe put that aside and focus on on, on the goal and how long did it take before you felt that your the business was going well? Well, I started the business venture in 2020, mm-hmm. which was two years ago. Mm. So and now um, I've I got myself a shop this year. So it took it could, took a while, over a year, um, to reach out and connect with people, because a haircut will last you about for it to get to an Afro size, let's say a month. Mm-hmm. you know two weeks to a month so it takes time and then some people usually have haircuts once every three months but the maximum will be three months you know but yeah or, or, unless if you want to grow your hair to get very long but then mm-hmm. if you're a regular hair cutter you like to cut your hair regularly you will you know want to cut it every month or every three months and how did you sort of get the uh, get known or get the word out to the community was it through word of mouth um yeah word of mouth and just the customers the customers because um obviously um when they you know like the service i provide to them they they want to recommend other people because they know when when that person come here and they get that good service, that person will say, oh, it was this person that recommended me, you know? So they, they get that good reputation for it, you know? And um, so, yeah, so it's, it's 100% um, the customers that promotes the business. In terms of cutting hair for Africans, what what is specific, what kind of specific skills or knowledge do you need for Africans compared to other other types of people, I guess? I would say cultural understanding, mm-hmm. you know, and also 
it's basically simple it's just it just depends on on the theme you as a as a baba or or here just that you want to go with because once you you start to get that practical knowledge and skill to to cut the hair it's how you connect with the person basically because I know I've heard from um, sort of African people who live there complaining that oh there's no hairdressers know how to cut my hair so I, I was wondering what what uh, makes you special well everybody can cut hair it, it's a matter of cutting the hair to the client's expectation so so if if the customer comes to you and they ask you to cut the hair and then you don't cut it to the expectation they're just going to say you don't know how to cut my hair Mm -hmm. I think what they really mean is you're not cutting my hair to my expectation, you know. So I think what makes me unique is because I have um, over 10 years experience of cutting, dealing with um, African, you know, hair. Yep. And um, and mostly, mostly I was, I was cutting, I actually started cutting um, Australian hair in Tasmania. Okay. But before, yeah, when I started the shop this month. Yep. So, but before mainly I was just cutting African heat. Okay. You know, just just African heat. That's all I was cutting. So I have um how like like a sort of somewhat diverse knowledge on how they want the hair to be cut. And have you found it relatively e easy or, or difficult to f to get to know people in Tasmania and to build your networks? I've been finding it very easy because, mm -hmm. I mean, I wasn't expecting to to start operating a barber shop right now. Yeah. You know, this may seem ridiculous, but I had a five years plan okay. to start operating a barbershop within five years, but I've been able to achieve that within two years. So I think it's it's relatively easy, easy, and because I'm finding it very easy because I have a good personality, which I know, and people have have said it to me too that I have a good personality and. <laughs> But what were your first impressions of Tasmania when you when you came here? It's been quiet, but um, I don't know. For some reason, I I liked it. I didn't mind it because um, my first impressions. I thought it was a little bit cold mm -hmm. the time that I came, but then um, I, it didn't bother me that much. Okay. No. I think I liked it because I'm used to even when I was back home living in a village. Yeah, villages. Not that I'm saying that means a village, but um, I'm used to that. You know, living with small amount of people. And, um, I'm just hoping to somewhat work towards that stable, consistent, and reliable barber shop that will benefit. African Australians living in Tasmania at the moment. At the moment, um, what I'm focusing on you know, is trying to achieve that um, consistency and stability. And do you get much, have you got much feedback or from sort of the African community about your barbering? Yes, yes. Most of the time, people don't need to speak, you know, <laughs> because... Um, once you're doing a good job, because the numbers are increasing, yeah, you know, um, my numbers are increasing. If I'm not lying, the entire African community in Tasmania knows me as a barber. So, if not entire, but most Africans, you know. But and um, 
I'm sure they've either heard that oh there is an African barber or there's an African shop barber shop in Hobart City or you know maybe may not may not have made me person but they might have had the rumors of yeah uh, you know the barber shop project. So definitely the reason why I think the reason why it's getting to that stage is because the people are liking the job I'm doing. What yeah. I'm doing and how I'm doing it. So I think that's why. Because if they weren't, then I would find it difficult getting to where I am right now. Do you get much of a chance to sort of get to know get to know uh, the other people in the African communities through through your barbering? Yes, not only my barbering. I also go to the um the William Christian Church of God. With, with Cedric, Cedric's church, so where I met other Africans, and um, I'm also in Mona on Fridays, got in here where I meet more Africans. So, yeah, in terms of meeting new people, it's it's happening, so it's it's good, and also it's a matter of having to maintain that stability and continue, you know, with the um, consistency. Hair cutting, cutting hair consistently, but definitely I think it's um it's an achievable goal. I, I believe I will and I can achieve it. Yeah. And I also know that I've got a lot of support to to achieve it. And it's a matter of waiting and see and having yeah. more people on board. Yeah.